Are you ready to step beyond your sexual walls? We're here to talk about anything you want. This is the Sisters of Sexuality show featuring Taylor Sparks and Parish Michelle Blair. We have so much to talk about today, so let's just get things started. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Parish. Good evening, sexy people. This is your host, Taylor Sparks, and you are listening to Sisters of Sexuality, Five Shades of Play. I am so excited, as I am every week, but I'm especially excited for our guest today. And before I bring her on, let me tell you a little bit about her. Sapphire is a veteran stripper based in Miami, Florida. She performed exclusively as a headline entertainer at the infamous King of Diamonds for several years. Also a designer under the surname of Gia Parati, mother of one, she has pushed the envelope and explored the possibilities of what it means to be both an active stripper and entrepreneur. In September 2017, she launched a new exciting company and social media platform, Stripreneur. Stripreneur is specialized coaching for strippers who are or wish to be entrepreneurs. She provides one-on-one weekly coaching, Sessions to strippers who meet the stripper, ah, stripreneur requirements, excuse me. The stripreneur motto is, I love to see strippers win, win in the club, win at finances, and simply win at life. Sapphire, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. That was a really good intro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for giving me that really great intro about you and all your wonderfulness. (laughs) Good. I read it just like she told me to, y'all, just like she told me to. Sometimes I impress myself. Well, you should be impressed. I am so excited to meet you. I was equally excited to find you. I found you in the same group. Wait, which group was that? The The Women women of Sex group. Women of Sex Tech, that right. I'm like, yes, because, you know, there's a handful of sisters in there, just a hand, and I came looking for them, and I was like, first one I found was you, and I'm like, I couldn't wait to talk to you about what you do and how you do it, and although I, you know, gave the audience just a small tidbit of what you do, you are so much more, and, you know, just from the brief conversation we had uh, last week or the week before last, I remember before or after I came back from Jamaica, um, I'm just, I'm happy you exist. <laughs> I'm happy to exist. <laughs> You're happy to exist. So tell everyone why Striptreneur, how Striptreneur, what, why you even come up with the, con- how the concept even come to you? Um, honestly, it's something that is um, not spoken of, but it's quite common. Um, when you look at the makeup of a large portion of women who choose to dance, they naturally buck the system because up until maybe in the last two years, it was still very cliche and very taboo to be in the industry. You know, of course, we have, you know, different mainstream media um, platforms kind of pushing and exploiting what it means to be a stripper, but primarily so anyone that chooses to look and say, I understand that this is against the grain, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this in a certain way, has to have some of the foundations of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first encountered um, dancing in Miami, there was this one particular stripper who just wowed me. You know, when she walked in the door, she was dressed very conservatively as I tend to do. And once she, you know, 
got in the space, she started to sell things. She had water and she had wigs and she had, you know, uh, supplies that were very beneficial for the other dancers. Mm -hmm. And once she did that for about a, you know, maybe a 30 to 45 minute span, she would, you know, get ready for stage and she would have an amazing, you know, brain shower filled stage set. So, you know, it's just, there might there might not be the general public might not understand it to be so, but any woman that chooses to capitalize on her own sexuality and the own in her own image mm-hmm. has the fundamentals of an entrepreneur. Without a doubt, without a doubt, and and people do uh, have the stigma that if a woman is taking off her clothes, that she's either missing something, she got daddy issues, she got mama issues, she got issue issues. And so many people don't even take the time to find out that, yeah, she's got a brain too. Because most women, more more than not, consciously made the decision to strip. They didn't just run into the stage one day, get drunk and go, I'm going to do this for the rest of my damn life. <laughs> Actually, I don't drink, so, huh. Well, that. that yeah, so <laughs> that's, that. that's another thing, you see. And so many people, ha- and I think that stigma has been, um, unfortunately, like a lot of other stigmas, have been pushed on, pushed out by men. And then not only pushed out by men, but w- some women continue to push that stigma because of their own insecurities about what they think strippers are or are not. Now, I mean, I um, I think a lot of women are, are the source of it because when mm. you start to police someone else's body and you have already indoctrinated yourself with what it means to be a woman, what it means to be feminine and what it takes to just thrive in this world, um, a lot of that misinformation does originate with women and it's kind of sad. Um, but then again, you know, the stigma has helped the industry, you know, because people it was so taboo when it was so something that people were not supposed to do. And that drove more men into the clubs. Hmm. So wait, so you think the part of the stigma is pushed out by women? Do you but do you believe that that comes directly through men and the insecurity that women feel about themselves, that they're afraid that this woman is doing something they can't do? Or do you think? The man has said to their woman, meaning starting with their dad, don't be one of those kind of girls, although he's with those kind of girls. I think it's multifaceted. I think that you have women that have maybe have some type of jealousy, but I think traditionally speaking, it is tradition and it is culture. Um, we have the marriage culture and I'm from a small town and mm-hmm. actually my ex-fiance sent me a picture like an hour ago from when I was really young and I was engaged to be married. And I just thought about like what my life would have been if I would have gotten married that young and what I would, mm. and what I would have had to transition or change because of my belief systems. And because of, I was a really powerful child and I was mm-hmm. very talented and I was um, always entrepreneurial. And, you know, so I think that to answer your question, a lot of times it can come from women and not just their insecurity, but it comes mm. from their culture. It comes from what they have seen and what they haven't seen. And, you know, you get a woman in a small town walking around with a larger bottom and a red dress on and automatically she's a harlot. She's a Jezebel. So there have these cultural stereotypes where I am very familiar with that can kind of take sensuality, sexuality, um, just looking well, looking sexy, looking good and can take that and and make that something that you wouldn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the culture. I mean, 
the culture has, well, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with America. We won't even go overseas right now because I know the culture is different overseas and I knew you travel as well. I saw some of your posts from being out of the country and, and in the same sex museum I was in over in Amsterdam. No, that uh, was we here. Were, that was in Miami. Oh, was that the one in my, I thought that was the one over in Amsterdam where they have the same big old cock over there. <laughs> well, actually, I, I'll perform again in Amsterdam at the end of the month. So you're almost yeah, Would right. that be your first time going? Yes, my first time to Amsterdam. Girl, Amsterdam is, you're going to love Amsterdam. There are so many people, there are so many black people in Amsterdam. I'm like, yeah. I mean, like, lots of black people. Like, not just here and there, like, everywhere you walk, you just see black people. I was totally surprised by that. No one told me before I got there that it was going to be, I mean, I know where everywhere I've traveled, but a lot more than I had even figured. But so with the culture here in the United States in policing our bodies, what they are still trying to do in 2019, and you are not only working with strippers with regards to their finances, I mean, are you also coaching them with regards to getting through any issues that they have with their own stigma, even though they're stripping? Are you Actually, I did run into that. I did run into that recently Um, with with coaching and with one on one. Everybody's different. And I think that's the big thing that people should internalize when they're thinking about anything, whether it's speaking on, you know, black Americans, white Americans, strippers, like every in every subcategory, there are a multitude of identities and rationales and backgrounds to, to surf through. And so what each girl that I speak to, her choice situation is going to be different from the next. But I ran into it recently where a girl was confiding in me that she, even though she was currently dancing, actively dancing, she still was in the process of shedding her old beliefs on what a stripper is or isn't. And it wasn't manifesting in a, in a blatant conscious way. Mm-hmm. It was subconsciously her feeling like there was a certain type of protocol or a certain type of right that she didn't have to complain about a certain situation. So that manifested in her not necessarily completely protecting herself because internally she has processed that a stripper doesn't deserve that type of protection. And so hmm. it was very interesting to hear that she was almost putting herself in harm or delaying a process that could have healed her because she had a stigma about dancing. And what is your advice to someone? So, so, I mean, we have listeners literally in over 600 cities around the world. And, you know, what is your advice to someone who, who is going through that right now? I mean, I know you can't give total counseling, but, you know, just on what you shared, I mean, what advice do you give? I mean, Again, it's each each person would be individual because right. I, you know, where hers originated was from her family. She mm. was a, you know, really high achiever. She was highly intelligent, very, very brilliant young lady. And so to her family circle, to be a stripper was probably the worst thing that you could choose. But if it was a, a young woman that came from a different background, I guess the guidance and the, the I try to be as intuitive and as feeling as I can possibly be. And I don't mind because I don't know everything. I don't mind stepping aside, either reading on up on, you know, current psychology on that particular thought process, you know, calling in a few of my psychologist friends. Mm-hmm. I don't mind going to the heart of things. So it is very difficult for me to give general sweeping information because everyone is different and right. everyone's roots are different. So you you mentioned, thank you for that. You mentioned um, 
about receiving the photo from the from the ex fiance. What what was your path, if you will, into to become a dancer? Um, huh. or entertainer, if you will. No, it, no, all, all that's fine. Stripper, I'm a stripper. Uh, You're a stripper, stripper, dancer. Yeah, <laughs> you're like uh, my girlfriend. She's like, girl, I'm a stripper, please. <laughs> no, I think that when you start to try to, um, it's just like saying, I don't know. It's like I don't have to minimize the word. You know, I don't feel in any way to minimize the word. So I like to say it because it shocks people because they go, oh, you're smart. And they go, what do you do? And I go, I'm a stripper. And they go, I go, yeah. (laughs) I own it completely. Don't you love it? (laughs) I love Um, it for you, girl. So the path. I was, again, I was very interesting as a child. And honestly, I've been probably dealing with my childhood this year more than ever. um, Because... I was made to feel so um, different. And it was always, you're so weird, you're so different, you're so unique. And I, I had posted on my Facebook where my friendly, family and friends are. And I was just, I, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, I, I'm so accustomed to people telling me something is weird and then trying it five years later. So, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a thing. Yes really strange. Um, but I had, again, internalizing certain things. Um, I was really hardworking and I think I've developed a sense of almost uh, being a complete loner because I've learned to, you know, stand away from the group. So, aggressively stand away from group thinks stand away from like you know even in being in the church you know being really heavily in the church and that's all of those experiences really drained me of that you know feeling of togetherness that some people might enjoy I tend to not enjoy that um so I was doing design I think I had three jobs at the time I was working Mm -hmm. my ass off and I was in um and I was in school so you know a, a mom working really, really diligently to Mm -hmm. just make things great. Um, I have an obsession with making things better. Um, Virgo tendencies. (laughs) My daughter's a Virgo. I understand. (laughs) When things are are right and perfect, I'm always, so I guess at that moment in that time where that picture was taken, you know, just at that moment, trying to get to fashion school, trying Mm -hmm. to pay for fashion school, Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that my home was secure enough to make that type of move because I was still in Tennessee and school was in, um, in New York, I tried to go to a school in Tennessee and it ended up like being shut down for fraud. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think it was just a lot of me still having a, a family, a family friend circle, but mm-hmm. then also, you know, just working and working and working and I guess questioning like, where's the end of this? You know, where does this lead? You know, I always knew that I wanted to be a designer. I was in theater. I, um, performed um you know across the united states with a small theater company based in the south um i was just always doing entertainment always doing fashion always doing creative and it's funny because in that picture the guy that i was seeing he had given me one of his jerseys and that was one of my things And, and when i was in school was to take jerseys for men and turn them into looks for women and then oh, I used nice. to take jeans and I used to make jeans into purses. And okay. it's crazy because I was really creative. I yeah. wish I could get back there. You're um, still creative. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't left but you. It was raw. You know that that youthful, ignorantly raw, it's, creative it talent. It has left you. It has left you. You no. still are. Yes, you it's are. 
control. I feel like, no, it hasn't left. I just feel like it's too controlled because you, I guess, as you get older, as you, you know, have children, you, right. you're thinking about preservation and sure. you're thinking about, you know, how can I stay alive and healthy for 50 years, for 70 years? And so right. maybe recklessness has kind of left me. Well, maybe the recklessness, but I believe that the the, the raw creative design portion of you Absolutely. is still there. You yeah, had that I, that has gone nowhere. Well, where it came from was the spirit of recklessness. I bucked every system that was placed in front of me. Like going to fashion school as a girl from the country just was not heard of. Um, right. Being in the church, but then being a stripper was not heard of. Like just so many conventionalities. As if that Jesus I, don't love strippers. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> so I just I, I had the middle finger for everybody then because everybody was trying to keep me from you know pretty much thinking that what I was what I was trying to be involved in was not possible for me. Girl, please. I mm. So we come from the same world of the black sheep family and bucking every system and doing what the hell you want and telling people, excuse me, I, am I talking to you? Leave me alone. I'm, where are you going? Out. <laughs> With who? Does it matter? I'm like, let me, let me, yeah, I digress. I'm definitely like not normal in my family. Like when I look at everybody and I love them very much, my immediate family is really cool, but I look at myself in comparison and I'm like, I get why you guys were looking at me like I was crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. Now. Just so you know, I know you know that. Wrong, but I just, it's, again, this has been a year of me delving into my childhood and I get <laughs> it now because I was such a different type of kid, right. you know. And so, and I'm, I feel bad for them. <laughs> oh, girl, please. They got, apparently nobody, nobody died because of it. I'm assuming they, they got over it. They, they, they don't answer that. They, they knew. <laughs> don't answer that. We're being taped. They knew, your parents knew that there was nothing they were going to be able to change. They let you be, which is how you got to be who you are. So they recognize the uniqueness, That's not, not the happened. I can't even let you say that. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. We actually recorded for a documentary earlier this year and they brought my mom in on the documentary and she and I were having that conversation. Like we stopped speaking for almost four years. Um, I just... Yeah, I it wasn't a let. Everything was by force. And now that it doesn't have to be by force, mm-hmm. I think I had to recenter the motivation because I think the initial motivation was just to be great. When my sure. son was born, then the motivation became to be great and add a beautiful life to this child. Right. Then it became, you know, like a football player, like plowing through the, the, the squad. Like it was like, boom, boom, boom. And now it's like, there's no obstacles. There's complete freedom. You can do what you want. And so now I have to recenter that. Well, now you get to say, what do I want to do? And how do I want to do it? And most importantly, who do I want to do it to? I am a firm believer. In, <laughs> and I am a firm believer in your vibe attracts your tribe. So well, welcome home. And it <laughs> welcome to the home of the weird and the different and the crazy and the because it's a good thing to be unique. I don't consider it weird. I just consider it unique. I've owned it. And I think that now that being weird is like popular culture, it makes me kind of regress mm-hmm. into myself because mm-hmm. it's like people are pretending to be weird 
for social media clout. And so it's like, I'd rather do the things like I have a group of friends that like, if I have a question about real estate, if I have a question about, you know, art, culture, Mm -hmm. I can send them all six of them the same text. And I know invariably I'm going to get beautiful answers from them. Fortunately, like, you know, going to school in New York, having family that was from New York, I think that was also the foundation for my madness because mm-hmm. I knew very young there's an alternative to this country living. Yes. Yes. Thank God. There's a whole world out there. Go see it. That's the one thing my mom told me when I was younger. When you get 18, you can go. Get, there's a whole world out there. And girl, and I took off running at 18 and I have barely looked back. I, I mean, barely. So wait. So. We left Tennessee, we go to New York, we're in fashion school, we're doing our design, we're living our best life, we're, we're hungry maybe, but you know, we're finding out we're not exactly like everybody, and how did we end up? No, we knew, we knew prior to, we knew yeah. very okay. We knew very very young. The identity was always there. It was just, I think that the next thing for me was mm-hmm. recognizing that um, nice and country living and all of the things that I had kind of been indoctrinated with would not get you as far as you need to go. Um, which is why I always am so happy that I came to Miami because Miami is a place where you have to, to push and you have yeah. to push the envelope. Like, you know, you have to be business savvy at all times. Yeah. People you have will, to meet for drinks. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I'm <laughs> well, here. Drinks, coffee. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. You have coffee. We have to meet for drinks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I, you don't have to drink. I drink. <laughs> okay, I'll buy you a bottle of wine. You don't have to drink because you know I'm right up the street from you. So I told you that. I think I did. Did I tell you that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So how did we end up in the? How did we end up stripping? How did we get there? Stripping started in Tennessee. Okay, so before we went to school. Mm-hmm. Because okay. that was, that was you, you remember you asked like when, that picture when it was taken, that oh, was, that's right. After that, well, no, that was probably three or four years after the picture was taken of trying to work so many jobs, losing so mm-hmm. much time with my kid, going to school, this endless, you know, list of what I was supposed to do in traditional living. And I got really, really fat at one point and just, I was depressed. Like when you take a wild creature and you try to sedate it and subdue it with normalcy. Yeah, it, it, it really had a bad effect on me. And I've noticed that about myself over time. You know, I can't be caged. If I am, I feel like I feel dead. So I think I died for a second. And then I started to figure out, I think I was, when I was in school, I was in art school at the time. Before fashion school, I was going to school in, in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like the midway point through my day. And I had just got a new car, had um I had a really old car. It was beautiful, but then I had um, not taken care of it to the best of my ability. Well, to the best of my ability, but not right. to the best it could right. have taken care of. And I had to get another car. And I walked into the um, the dealer, and I got the car. And I'm like, okay, I have to pay for this now. You know, I, I have mm-hmm. to. Something has to shake. And I think it was like the the lunchtime at school, and there was a strip club down the street, like maybe an exit up, and it was like a truck stop strip club. And I went. And that was literally it. You just walked in and said, I'm going to do this. Absolutely. That was it. <laughs> that, it, wasn't no, it was no dramatic story. Nobody right? drank. <laughs> I, was, I was working my, my ass off. And, you know, I was like, something has to give. Something right. has to shake. Right. 
So from the time, let me ask you this, from the first time you hit the stage, did you enjoy it as much as you do now? I mean, were there phases of time you did? I mean, does it depend on the club? Did, I mean, did you always enjoy the performing since you are a performer at exactly. heart? Exactly. There you yeah. go. So yes, yeah. yes and yes. I always was naked. Like, I didn't give a fuck about that shit when I was little. Like, my mom even said, she's like, you can't keep clouds hot. <laughs> my, my high school uh, tailoring teacher, who I credit with a lot of my talent as far as bringing my, you know, my sketches to life. Um, he used to say, everything doesn't have to be tight. And he would call me by my last name. And I'm like, yes, uh, who? Uh, so, no, sir. No, I was always, you know, shapely. I was always, you know, I always had a shape that stood out physically. And so I always wanted to accentuate it. So being nude or being in front of people, being yeah. that, because that was my polar opposite. I could go into my home and regress and be by myself for, you know, That's long right. periods of time. But then when I wanted to pop out, I would. So, you know, my I still remember my first stage. Like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was winded. I went out. I think I had like this pink lingerie crap that I bought from Walmart. <laughs> and one of the girls let me borrow um, their um, their shoes. Yes. And I think I had this big, ugly wig on. And I did it. And there was a whole bunch of trucker guys in there. And I'm from a, like, place is 85% white so it was like no black guys in there and it was Girl, like you just I remember my first stage too you danced I did a little <laughs> oh wow I want to hear this I think I just I think I just admitted that to my daughter I'm like you know I kind of bikini dance she said you did what mom okay, oh my go, god go. now what mom <laughs> go go right uh were they calling it go go yeah you just stripped down to your Bikini. But before I digress into my story, this is about you. We need to take a break. So, guys, don't go away. You are listening to Sisters of Sexuality, Five Shades of Play, and our amazing, oh so sexy guest, Sapphire from Miami. Do not go away. We'll be right back after the break. Organic loving for the bodies you love to love. How do people describe you? Are you curious, playful, maybe sensual, adventurous? How about open-minded? The truth is, no matter who you are, Organic Lovin' has something to indulge your fantasies. We offer only organic, natural, and eco-friendly intimate body products, including vegan condoms, organic lubricants, body-safe sex toys, and sex-positive books. You won't find anything harmful in our products or toys. We also have a full range of other experiences, including erotic seminars and exotic adult-only vacations. Receive our adult subscription box for a monthly sexual delight. Be educated, entertained, and informed. Organic Lovin'. For her, for him, for you. For the bodies you love to love. Visit OrganicLovin.com. We offer shipping worldwide, so stop by the site anytime. Organic Lovin'. That's L-O-V-E-N dot com. You were listening to Sisters of Sexuality. To check in with the show and ask your questions, call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to sistersofsexuality at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. 
and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Taylor Sparks, and you're listening to Sisters of Sexuality, Five Shades of Play. And I am here with our oh-so-sexy, oh-so-chocolatey, oh-so-beautiful guest, Sapphire. Welcome back to the show, Sapphire. Thank you. That was a good break. (laughs) That was a very good break. So right before the break, I mentioned that I, too, have danced in the past. I've I've stripped in the club. I've stripped privately, all for pay. Um, I've stripped for boyfriends. I've stripped for my husband. Yeah, I've I've done that. And um, I've stripped for fun. I, like you, have never had an issue taking my clothes off. So <laughs> it's always been good for me. And I did it. Like The first time I did it, I was in college in California. And as I mentioned, it was the a bikini club. And the license there, you could not strip naked you could only strip down to like pasties and and a g-string and not even really a g-string I think just the bikini you could pull it over like a g-string but that was it and it was owned by a woman a former stripper who opened the bar I wonder if it's still there it was called God, I haven't thought about this place in 20 30 years Charlie's (laughs) it was Charlie's something but yeah I you know hey it was no shame in my game you know I met a good, met some great people and had some good fun. And it was an experience, you know. I think, I mean, I consider myself uh, an, um, an experimentalist. I like new experiences all the damn time. So there that is. So we were, at, during the break, we were talking about some of the different rules and laws in different states. And you were saying about Tennessee versus Atlanta. Yeah, um, Georgia state license, I guess. And then I think it does go by city to city because I don't think like in Macon or somewhere like that, I don't think you have to have the same licensing process. Um, And in Knoxville, there was no licensing where I'm originally from. And in Nashville, there was um, licensing. So, um, yeah, I think that in and I think in West Palm. Yeah, West Palm in Florida, there's licensing um, process. I'm I'm 50-50 on it as far as what I, you know, do like about it because I do believe in creating barriers to entry so that not everybody can just free-for-all walk into the space because at the end of the day, this is a professional environment and we do want to keep a certain standard and we do want to keep the money and the certain expectations at a level, but then I don't necessarily believe that it should be so insurmountable that it makes it virtually impossible for the girl to start dancing. Right, because it sounds like you I mean you started a deficit. I, I mean, people don't realize that about dancing. Period. You know. Yeah. The first thing that you see, like let's say a girl posts a stripper posts a video of her dancing and she's getting money. You know, the first thing you see in the comments is, "Oh, I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a." Dancer. And it's like, if you only knew <laughs> how much money that you have to have to start. Tell, tell us that. how much do you have to have on on, um, on average? It would vary state to state, but of course you have to have. Not only do you have to, and it's different now. When I started right. versus now, it's completely different. But now it's almost like in certain places you can't get a payoff because if you go into the club and you're in a, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollar deficit because of whatever you had to do to start up and pay your house fee, you know, and you're not the learning curve is so steep now. You know, if you don't come in with a certain type of body, if you don't come in with a certain type of performance, if you don't come in with a certain type of finesse, you know, Mm -hmm. you have some girls that are finesse girls and they can talk to guys and the guys will give them the money. And you have some girls that are performers and the performance aspect is starting to really die in the clubs where people are not necessarily coming to see performers anymore. So, you know, it's just, 
this is not something that's simple. It's not something that's easy and it should be very um, heavily considered before a person starts. So is this kind of the basis of the stripreneur, you know, con- um, not, I don't want to say concept, but this other business that you have, the, the stripreneur, where you're working with these women to help them with their finances, to help them, you know, with one-on-one counseling and coaching. I mean, what is the, the foundation of that? Why, would you, why did you start that and how, how do you help? Um, so I don't necessarily start off dancers. My expertise lies in dancers who have been in the field for maybe a year or more, as okay. well as veteran dancers who kind of maybe now are getting lost in what to do um, because a lot of veteran dancers that came from the generation before are having a really difficult time adjusting to the new wave that is in the club space. Mm-hmm. And re uh, reorganizing right now is uh, very beneficial for anyone who's been in the space for maybe five or more years. Um, and I don't necessarily want to work with new day one girls because most of them by six months in they're quitting. There's just so much they, uh, you know, have to learn. And there's kind of so many failures that they have to face before they, they can listen to reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to listen to a woman tell you what you're supposed to do with your finances, especially if you come from a job and you were working at Target or you were working at a call center or you were working in a professional environment and you go from, you know, seeing $200, $500 a week to seeing that possibly in a night. You right. know, it's very hard. So once that girl kind of goes through that process, goes through a couple things in the club, it's easier to give them sound advice and sound information. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a veteran dancer the other day and she was like she wished that somebody was there to, you know, stand with her in the beginning to say, OK, here's where you put your money. Here's how you sleep. Here's how because it's, it's literally a free for all. You right. make your own schedule. You go to work like one of the biggest issues across the board for girls that I coach is that they'll work for a certain amount of time and their money gets okay Mm -hmm. and then they'll stop going to work and it's so easy to do you know not even because you're tired but just because it's just you can and nobody's going to stop you and a lot of these girls like what happens once they coach in for maybe two months and they start to accumulate the money that they they never accumulated before they get really comfortable the money can kind of turn into their villain so it's just walking them through that process and in having them see bigger having them look at the bigger picture Right. And, and long term, what, what's, what's going to happen five years. So if you could just kind of give me a couple of, you know, one or two things that were different five years ago, as opposed to one or two things that are the way they are now in the club and where the veteran strippers may be having some of the adjustment issues. So what what has changed? Just the biggest thing things. is social media. Hands okay. down, because now you can see a girl who has a huge social media following. Mm-hmm. She can do a stage set or she can walk in the space. And because of social media and the draw of it, her customers are going to be there and lined up. Now, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I think that's a beautiful business model. I think that a lot of the girls like Koi Grand and Russia Lit, like these girls have harnessed the power of social media and our the generation prior to, we were Mm -hmm. so opposed to cameras in the club. We were so, like I remember seeing the cameras start to evolve more. And I remember sitting down on stage and like covering myself, like, what are you doing? Why are you letting, because at one point, 
you, the security guards would like tackle guys if they right. they were pulling out the cameras. And then it started to, I have a picture where I was dancing and I have the full stage attention. Like there was probably like 200 people around the stage mm-hmm. and every single person had a camera out and the flash was on. And I remember wow. mortified, like what is going on here? But these new, this new range of girls that started maybe in the last two or three years, right. it's commonplace for them. Mm-hmm. So they comfortable with it they were more confident with it and then they pushed it to where they started using it for their own benefit so you have girls that can come to work and their three four five people are going to be there looking for them with their money reserved for them they're going to make their money they're going to go home and it's brilliant but a lot of girls that are maybe dancing prior to are just they're just trying to figure it out you know trying to figure out how to you know, catch that wave or quit, you know, what they should be doing right now. Right. Do you, do you help any of the women who, who, um, you coach with regards to social media? Do you help them? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, at first I, I, I hate it, honestly. <laughs> I, I do not like social media. I do. I'm not a, I'm a very private person. Um, but then I started to look at it differently. I started mm-hmm. to look at it as the performances that I was putting on at King of Diamonds on stage can be those same performances that I use in a, in a constant loop on social media. So when That's I started right. to say, okay, I can be my, like you were talking about the creativity, I can mm-hmm. use the artistic creative background that I have to really create some, some things that are, that are, that are, are identifiable to me. Yes. And so that your people who follow you will be looking for that. Absolutely. So that becomes beneficial. And also, I would assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that using the the power of social media, which is, you know, a free platform for the for the most part, it takes, you know, time and time is money. But to to catapult you into these other arenas like overseas in Amsterdam and now people around the world can get to know you and say, Hey, we don't have anyone like you or very few like you. We'd love to host it just makes or it have smaller. you. The, they were talking about some article I was reading that said, you mm-hmm. know, six degrees of separation are, are no longer in place because now it's too- <laughs> exactly. And, and, and what I can say is I'm thankful for my time at King of Diamonds because it opened that up to me long ago where mm-hmm. we had an international client base. So we had people I've always been the the kind of like underdog strippers but people know me you know I have a, a wide array of people who recognize me as mm-hmm. Sapphire and who have a lot of respect for how I've you know ran my stripping career so that was the first I guess brush with that um just being king of diamonds being on stage having a club that held almost 5,000 people at any given moment you know wow. where uh, was that club oh where it's is it Miami. it's in Miami it's, uh-huh. cl- it's closed now oh it's closed okay yeah, okay. uh, mismanagement. It was really sad. It's, it's something that, you know, all of us that were there shared, like when we all talk about it, we get really, really somber because mm-hmm. it was like we lost a friend. We lost a place. We had such a great fam- dysfunctional family. <laughs> it was amazing, you know, and then when you left, when I left, I didn't recognize, I guess you value things when they're gone. I didn't recognize that that's something that I, I long for in my, my space. That's something yes. that I need to be able to perform at optimal level because it was almost a challenge. You know, our, our staff would like, you know, are you going to do something different today? Are you going to, are you going to put the LD, LED lights? Like, what are you going to do? Like we were always challenging each other to right. do something that much more creative. And that's where the tagline for stripper newer came from. I love to see strippers win. There's a girl named royalty Mason and I can get like 
emotional talking about it but I remember when she when I first saw her do her first big stage set it was Mm -hmm. like I watched her perform prior to but when I saw her do this stage set and I'm watching this money just like flail at her and she's killing her pole tricks and she's hitting like we would practice so much and she was hitting every note of the song like I started crying I was like yo this is amazing. Like, there's nothing like this. And I just watched her, you know, just we worked so hard and we worked together and we fought. But, you know, we just I love to see strippers when I love it, when other people that are in this business do things that make other people say, what the fuck? And that, you know, and the whole that is a sign for me, uh, you know, of a true coach, of a, of a person who loves to see, regardless of the industry, your industry is stripping, but loving to see the, oh, those in your same space win, you know, because not about I have to win everything. And I think, you know, a true encourager is what you are because you love people. <laughs> I don't, but yes, I you think do. That, like, <laughs> don't you lie to me, woman. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm being honest and I can't, Go ahead. Go ahead. but I don't, I don't like groups of people. I'm very, not necessarily shy, but very, I have a tendency to be very socially awkward. Um, when I get in like groups of people of like six or better, I'm like, well, no, I'm not saying you love groups of people. I'm saying you love people. Meaning love that in order for you to be a coach yeah. and a counselor of somebody, you have to love people. So, yeah. Humanity. I do have a respect for humanity. I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, groups of people is different. I, you know, I'm the person, uh, opposite personality that I um, recharge around people. And my my business partner, Paris Michelle Blair, she's like, I need a nap. I'm going to go by myself somewhere. And I'm like, yeah. And for me, I'm I was we were in a space. We were like together for a week or so just recently. And I got up early and I got to my computer and I was like, I just needed to I couldn't go back to sleep. And then she got up and she just didn't talk to me for like, you know, for like. Half the day, I'm like, are you not talking? Oh, I thought you just needed some quiet time. I'm like, I never need quiet time. I, I'm, that, That's I'm not why the- I don't have a boyfriend because I give everybody space. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a boyfriend who needs space. Uh-uh. No, I listen. You don't, don't want a boyfriend that needs space? <laughs> I don't think that, that, that that's possible. Of course, I have one of my boys, I have a husband and three boyfriends and one of my boyfriends who, because I'm also polyamorous, you know, and I'm one of three local girls and he's got two other girls out of state and he's like, I'd like to spend the night by myself one night. And we're like, why? Oh, wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Why do you need to be by yourself? You know, he's like, and I am that person, like even with my kid, I'm like, yo, give me like a week. Okay. I don't, how old is your kid? <laughs> I can't talk about that. He's older, though. He's, you can't talk about how old he is? Yeah, he's older, though. I try, I try to keep him separate. Like, I was that mentioned sounds, that I that have one. Yeah. Fine to me. My, mine are always shaking their head. I was recently talking to my daughter, who's 23, and I was telling her that we were at Hedonism, and there was a, a guy from the media there. Now, we were there as media, and he was. we interviewed him, and he said how his girlfriend introduced him to pegging. And so I don't I was, know what that is. Pegging is when a female a woman straps on a, um, straps on a dildo, and she fucks the guy from behind. Oh. It's called pegging because she doesn't actually have a dick. So as opposed okay. to 
You don't know you about teach me things. <laughs> you know what's so funny, people? That is the common misconception with me. I don't know a lot of things about like relation, like male female relation. Like that's the one thing I will never coach on. When girls say I had this problem with my boyfriend, I'm like, Dur, don't ask me. Relationship, sex. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, I'm always I, open to listen, though. I'm always yeah, open to listen. Pegging, yeah. So pegging is when the woman straps on a dildo, and you know, there's a whole lot. And you know, I'm an erotic educator. And there's a whole lot of the last few years about prostate play and, you know, milking the prostate and stimulating a man digitally with your fingers or with an item like a dildo with his prostate. And he's not gay because a man can have a prostate orgasm as well as a regular penile testicle orgasm, if you will. But um, so as I tell my daughter this and she's like, oh, my God, mom, really pegging. And then she says, you know, we have these conversations. I'm, I'm learning something new all the time. And then I think I'm so prudish because I don't know this is what my daughter said. Correct. And then she's and then she says, I get her on my girlfriends and they're like, oh, my God, must you be so explicit? And she's like, says, even when I'm at work, girls will say certain things. But I think that's just me. I don't know if it's everybody, but I just. I don't know. I've been programmed to be a workaholic. I'm programmed to be a provider. This is your own programming. I'm sorry. This is your own programming. Um, no, I don't necessarily think so. I think that there are some roots and again, this has been the year of my childhood, just realizing that um, very young, I felt like I had to depend on myself, even though I had a family that was good. I just, I had to depend on myself because I was so different. And so whenever I wanted to get something done, it was something that most people hadn't heard of before. So I had to learn to take on the mantle of creating my own life and creating my own world. So I think that created like a diehard workaholic so, and, and and I had to learn how to work with people as well so give me if you could not very quickly but very quickly top five tips for strippers who are going to be or who are entrepreneurs what are the top five things they need to know or do save pay off debt those are two right there save and pay off debt yes Absolutely. Um, that is the thing that I probably have said the most. And I know that mm-hmm. my my social media platform is probably tired of me saying it, but I'm not going to stop. Um, get to the point where you are not only making money, but that you can literally s- stack that money so high that your investments don't take from you. They're only feeding you. Um, I think a lot of dancers, you know, even if they are in a well-off financial position, you know, you have to make sure that how much you have in, in the bank, how much you have, you know, in, in net worth is not being negated by the debt that you have. Mm-hmm. It will make it easier for you to go to work. You will be relaxed. You will be under physical and mental control if you can go into your club space knowing that you're not working because you need it, but that you're working because you want it. Mm-hmm. Very good advice. And I think, I mean, that's advice is good no matter what <laughs> what role you're in. But it's especially true, I think, in the space of stripping because of the amount of money that the cash that comes in so quickly. And, and if you're good, even, even more so, it can accumulate very quickly, but it can, boy, them red bottom shoes, could that shit could run out the door. And then Shopping. I think, too, um, just lifestyle. Just keep your lifestyle in check. 
you know, we all, I don't, I don't mind. I'm not necessarily the, the Louis bag girl myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I would implore girls to do is make sure that you have investments that pay for your wants. If you can have investments, properties, stocks, you know, mm-hmm. so forth that are paying for your stock, I mean, paying for your lifestyle, then anything that you're making because of your physical effort can be stored up. So just if you do want to be that girl, the it girl with the shoes and and it looks great and it feels great. Just make sure that you're not going from club to Louis store, go from club to realtor to property. And then as that property cash flows for you, then you use that money to buy what you want. And you know what? And let me ask you this because one thing I didn't read in your bio, and I'm going to, is whether or not you went to school for financing, or is this something that you learned on your own from from experience or from others that are counseling you that you're passing on? Um, no school, um, but I don't. Naturally, I'm a saver, and naturally, again, like when I was young, I was I was re- really really ridiculous, and um, I just. I was always doing something I did, um, like I said, theater, I was on the radio, I was designing, I was selling my pieces. So I've kind of always had this want for finance and want for money and stability. Um, I did read a lot of, of the financial books that people consider Perfect. popular right now when I was mm-hmm. really, really young and had to reread them as an adult. Um, so no, I'm not classically trained, although that is a thing for me. I possibly would love to look into that. Um, again, I, I don't know you everything. Are. I, th- ah. well, I think I think you are trained. I mean, you know, there's a difference. There's, there's a saying that, um, you know, a woman or a man of... Um, book knowledge, a woman or a man of street knowledge will never be at the mercy of a woman or a man of book knowledge because the book knowledge only is not enough. You have to have done it, put it into action and seen it. And you know what I mean? Just having read about it. It comes from working so many jobs, making the money Mm because I was making good money when I was living in Tennessee, but to go from making what I can make in a month in a day Yes. You know, you just have to learn some things. And I never really did the super stupid with my money, although every girl has to go through that. Of you course. have to do so super stupid with your money for you to go, oh, shit. I need to this. <laughs> uh, but I never did super stupid. I might have done like goofy, but never super stupid. Um, and I watched what I think that my biggest um, acclaim to all this is, is that I. I was able to watch the greats. I was able to watch Black China. I was able to watch Jocelyn Hernandez. I was able to watch these girls who were making more money than me and what they did and how they did it. And, you know, so it was more of observation and taking notes. Like I have notes yes. from when I was at the, at the club. And, you know, wow. so that probably gave me a lot of, of, of perspective. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being here on the show today, Sapphire. Please tell everyone where they can find you on social media, your website. Tell us where they can find you. Sure. Everything is Stripreneur. Um, articles and other podcasts, my social media, everything is Stripreneur. And my personal professional page is Sapphire4K. Yeah, which is a hot page. I was looking at that page today going, oh my God, she's so gorgeous and does she got a bottle strapped to her ass? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's so funny. That's like my signature trick. I saw that. We're gonna have to talk about that another time. But that was that was like amazing. So thank you, Sapphire, so much for joining us on the show. This Thanks is been your host, 
Taylor Sparks. You can find me, of course, at uh, on all social media and website under Organic Lovin'. That's L-O-V-E-N. And of course, if you have any questions about sex, sexuality, relationships, feel free to email us and sign up for our newsletter at sistersofsexuality at gmail.com. And we are on all social media at Sisters of Sexuality. Thank you all for tuning in. And again, thank you so much, Sapphire. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Sisters of Sexuality. Please join Taylor Sparks and Parish Michelle Blair again next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel or on demand 24-7. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at sistersofsexuality.com for all the latest information on our appearances and events.